G'day and welcome to another episode of the Point of Difference AFL Fantasy Podcast, a different look at AFL Fantasy Classic brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. This episode, we're talking all things midfielders and, of course, a couple of cheeky pods. Well, after all, it is... The Pod Pod. Welcome back to another episode of the Pod Pod. It's Dossie here, and I'm with, as always, this season. We got Stato, the Statesman, Mighty Statesman. How are you, mate? I'm very, very well, as you can imagine. Uh, working bloody hard at the moment, so it's nice to have a bit of relief. Thanks, mate. Good to have you on board, as always, and uh, good to have on board as well the other mighty man in the room, and that is Louis Lou Dog. Good to have you back, mate. Yeah, thanks, Dossie. Always good to be recording the Purd Purd on a Monday. So, uh, yeah, keen to get stuck into it. Love it, mate. And uh, don't forget, you can get uh, all this content in season if you sign up to be a member of the Keep League pod. Uh, Silver and gold members are going to get all the in-season content. But let's get straight into it. We're talking midfielders today. And the structure of this is going to be three players each. It's going to be anyone we want to talk about. That's how we've been doing it Um We've done the defenders last week, and we just want to talk about three players. It can be you like them, you dislike them, anything like that. We're just not going to be talking about rookies because we will be talking about them in an upcoming pod dedicated purely to them. And then we'll follow it up with another three requests from the Twitter community. You can follow us there at HKDOS, at LouisAF, and at Statesman33. But we're going to go one by one, roundtable style, and... As the veteran in the room, the uh, the mighty elder statesman, I've said mighty a bit too many times tonight, but uh, mm-hmm. that is the great man. It's the statesman. Kick us off with the first midfielder you're going to look at in 2022. Thanks, Dossie Boy. Well, I'm going to concentrate on that beautiful model I talk about, three, uh, five, one, and three. So I'm actually going to talk about people fitting in that category for me, and I'm always looking for values. So someone that can be a premium scorer, but I'm not paying top dollar. That ensures that I get as the, as many top-end players starting on my field. And the first one is Andrew Brayshaw. Now, entering his fifth season and Chera departed, of course, Fifey's injured at the moment and Mundy ageing. Mundy could be playing for another 15 years, we're unsure, but at the moment it looks like this might be his last one. It looks like he's finally stepping into the main role in the Fremantle midfield. He has shown us a ceiling, but consistency of role and time on ground have been an issue previously. During this time, he is still yet to crack the 80% time on ground barrier, but has still been able to give us a 104 average last season. His history of time on ground has been a slow progression upwards. So in 2018, he had 67% with an average of 66.8. 2019, 71% time on ground with an average of 69.5. 2020, as we understand with the shortened quarters, 75% with an average of 76.4, or you can adjust that to 95%. So he only had 75% time on ground during 16 and a half minute quarters. So just remember that. In 2021, 
you had 79% with an average of 104.3. So this year, barring injury, but that's the same case with any player we're talking about, we will see his time on ground go over 80%. So I'm expecting him natural development, increased role, increased time on ground, the main man in there to be around or potentially above the 110 mark, which puts him in a top 10 player range. So I am hot on Andrew Brayshaw. Wow, that's uh, some serious number work from Stato to kick off the show as well. Love that, mate. Uh, and so you're sort of higher on this kind of a premium Fremantle player than somebody else that's very highly selected from Frio being uh, Caleb Sarong as well. So you, you think... Um, it's worth paying up for a guy that is going to be top 10 and, and, you know, clearly you've identified that role. He's already put up some big numbers and you can see the time on ground increasing alongside his natural progression. So, a little bit different, a point of difference for the listeners. Absolutely. And I know everyone's going to be hot on Sarong, but they see his ceiling. But what you're going to see with Sarong is still that reduced time on ground. So, yes, he's going to increase his scoring but we're not going to see his maximum true ceiling. This year we'll see it from Andrew Brayshaw, barring injury, of course. All of a sudden, he's going to be at max rat power. And that's the exact type player that we want on our ground and staying there for the whole season. Love it, man. Um, what's your first play you've got to talk about for us today, Louis? Uh, mine's Josh Kelly. So, um, sort of piggybacking off the back of Stato there in a starting team that consists of blokes that are basically value that you're going to get some improvement out of. Uh, Josh Kelly comes in priced at 103. So, uh, previous years, we've seen him go 112, uh, 108, 115. Uh, and the knock on Josh Kelly, it's always been his body, unfortunately. I mean, he's never really put together a full season of football, not for over five years now. But we did see a slight turn in that last year. Um, he played the 21 games and of those um, available 22, one of those was just because the turnaround for GWS was just so short that Leon actually came out and said, well, if it was a few days longer, Josh Kelly would have played. Unfortunately, he didn't. But um, going on to why Josh Kelly's priced at 103 is because he actually played um, in the absence of Lockie Whitfield. Uh, he actually played uh, a forward role. And in that forward role, even though he was scoring, you know, relatively okay, it wasn't until uh, the final 15 rounds of the season when he had that midfield role that he, that he really started to dominate. So in that 15 game stretch, he went at 111. So you're looking at a full eight points above what he's coming in priced at. Uh, in that same role, he went under 100 just three times for a floor of 86. Then the other two were 96 and 97. Uh, in that time, he went over 112 times and above 110 seven times. So um, I know we're never going to question the ability for Josh Kelly to score in fantasy. It's always going to be uh, whether or not he can stay on the park. But that's why I think he's such a good starting pick is because he comes in at value. And if you are worried about his body, then he's the perfect player to start because those worries, they're never going to go away. And potentially you're looking at Josh Kelly going at 115 come round 12, 13, 14 up until the bye. And you're looking at maybe upgrading him, but then potentially you're actually spending two trades if you do think that his body will eventually give up. So for me, uh, Josh Kelly is someone who I'm, I'm pretty keen on in 2022. 
Love it, man. And uh, again, yeah, looking at the center bounces, you can get them on uh, keeperleaguepod.com.au, uh, CBA analysis. I've just seen, like you're saying, up until round seven, he did not crack 40% center bounces um, up until that point. And he had three games without even attending one. So he was playing that forward role early. The average definitely not indicative of his a full season in the gust. Do you reckon he's going to get that permanent role in the midfield? He's obviously a co-captain at the club now. And do you think they're going to want him in there, especially with the fact that you've got a few, you know, potentially Canelio going back in there. Do you think he'll get in there? Is that going to affect your thinking at all? But obviously you're pretty keen, so no. Um, no, not really. I mean, perhaps if Lockie Whitfield's not in that side, then I would look at um, going the other way a little bit. But the way Josh Kelly scores is uh, he, he kind of cops a bad rap for, for being soft, I guess. Probably not the word to say, but uh, he's actually one of the best tacklers in the competition. So he runs both ways. Uh, he gets the contested ball. He gets it on the outside as well. Um, I just think um, he can score just about anywhere, and he did up in that forward role. It just wasn't the Josh Kelly that we sort of um, have come to know. I don't think he's going to play that role again. Uh, I think they've got other players that are capable of doing that, especially um, they just drafted Finn Callahan, who should fit into that role as well if he gets a debut. So, look, I just think um, Josh Kelly, uh, priced at 103, there's always going to be upside for me. Uh, my first player is Tom Mitchell, pretty obvious, um, a staple of the fantasy community. But I just want to talk about why I'm, I'm keen to pick him despite the huge price tag of 969k, if it's not obvious enough um, for the listeners. But just there are, I guess, some questions around the role and stuff, but we've seen time and time again, wherever Titch plays, he's going to score. And even last season, he actually had, from what I know his history to be, in the center bounces, it was his lowest that I've seen for a few years. So, he only attended for him only, but he attended 70% of center bounces across the season. That's actually low for Tom Mitchell's career history. I know we don't have a lot of numbers in CBAs in the past, but he used to be in there every single center bounce. It was kind of like the Lockie Neal style, 88 to 90%. So, that's actually pretty low for his career standards uh, in the last few years, at least Tom Mitchell still pumped out. 115 um, going at 130 or something in the last three rounds of of the year just feels to me like the safest pick 30% owned says that a lot of people are agreeing with me I don't want to spend too much time on Titch but what I wanted to talk about and I might ask you Statesman do you think there's anyone else that is a safer pick in that bracket of you know 900 to a million bucks that you're paying which is you only want to really spend that money on one maybe two people right I think Steele is as safe. I just yeah. don't think he's as good a value. Yeah, exactly. And Titch has obviously gone above 115 multiple times in his career as well. So, just love the Titch. Starting with him, pretty boring pick from Dossie, but don't worry, things will get better from here. Now, Stato, who's your second midfield pick? Elliot Yo. So, Yo falls into the discounted premium category. The reason... He is discounted. It is also the reason he's a strong watch. So although in my draft squad, I want to see what unfolds from the preseason and preseason games. If he has had a solid and full preseason, he needs to be on everyone's radar. But any signs of those injuries are lingering means we just all move on. He is discounted by about 20 points. And for someone that can potentially be a top 15 mid, this is worthwhile looking at. 
In 2018, he averaged 106.8 and 2019, 102.7, and he is priced at 83. This is around the Sarong area, price area. So the buys are an issue with Sarong. So he has the same buyers, uh, Tom Mitchell, Andrew Brayshaw, Taylor Adams, Pat Lipinski, Lockie Neal. So where Yo has a slight advantage is the round 13 buy. So making him a pretty good balance for your buys. So I try to ensure that in every line when I'm talking about um, how many premiums I have, I try to separate to ensure I've got a premium from each of the buys. So you're not uh, mix-matching your premiums or side-swapping your premiums during the buy rounds because you want to finish off your team. The other key thing that he's good at, which might be advantage this year, is he is a tackling machine. He is, he is indeed. You're not concerned about um, – Louie and I were talking pre-show and I'll just say we aren't concerned because we think it's uh, just management, general management. But there's been some talk that he's not doing full training right now. Is it, would that scare you at all as a potential guy that's coming off, you know, a history of OP? Yeah, obviously he's always going to be a watch during pre-season. I'm not too worried about them managing the loads now. It actually how he performs in the pre-season games. The key thing here, even though they're managing him – He's actually at the moment still in training, and that's the key thing with him. But I, I will say the value's there. He's a watch. He is a watch. And just, just to reiterate that, he was the leading centre bounce attendee for West Coast despite coming into the team halfway through the season, coming off OP, still finished as their top attendee. And, you know, he's yeah. a guy that actually was going 90%, you know, for the last few weeks, 90, 83, 95, 80, 82. He's going to be in the centre bounces. So, I don't mind that pick, Stato. Um, that's definitely a watch for me as well. Uh, Louis, who's your second player you want to talk about? Another West Coast player by the looks of your little notes here. Yeah, so it's his, uh, it's his teammate, Andrew Gaff, and um, I'm kind of sitting on the fence on whether or not I like him or not. I just uh, I just grabbed some sort of raw numbers here, and I'll bounce it off of you two gurus. But um, in 2021, he averaged the 97.2, um, and that's after averaging over a ton the four years prior. So, um, you know, in the last three of those, he didn't actually fall below a 108 average. So, we're talking an 11-point recession here, which is quite a bit for a player who's only 29 years old. He's really um, pretty much at the back-end peak of his fantasy powers. Um, but just looking into his 21 season, uh, he still had that ceiling of 154. Um, quite often in the past, we've seen Andrew Gaps able to put up big, big scores. Uh, unfortunately, though, in the same year, he had a floor of 60. Uh, which is quite disappointing for a player of that caliber, uh, especially with the way that he plays too. Obviously, a lot of kicks, uh, a lot of marks. Uh, in that time, he also uh, went over 110 seven times, but only turned up nine times. So, um, sort of when he was in form, he was in form, but the other games uh, just wasn't getting close enough near it to, to give us something that uh, sort of warrants um, starting him anyway. Um, just diving into his disposal count as well, uh, it was well down on previous years. Uh, it was actually the, la the last time it was lower was 2014, which was just his uh, fourth year of football. Uh, he averaged 93 that year, so uh, obviously 97 this year, not too far off there. Uh, still had the same sort of time on ground though, 88%. 
Um, I, I was really unsure how to read into this. And uh, so I went back into previous year's ladders where the Eagles have finished. And I was quite surprised to see that um, in his best years, uh, the Eagles were actually coming uh, top three, top uh, four in on the ladder. Um, whereas his worst years, they were number six and number eight on the ladder. So being an outside player, I'm not sure if that directly correlates. Um, you being a West Coast fan, you might be able to help out here, Dossie. But I'm just wondering why Andrew Gaff, who for years and years and years was a 108 averaging midfielder, we suddenly find it 97 and people are almost hesitant to jump back on, even though he's, you know, potentially 11 points underpriced. I think I think last year was quite telling because West Coast finished. I was just checking now. Like West Coast was sixteenth for disposals, but first for marks per game. I saw and that, I, yeah. And I think that just shows people were talking about it in the fantasy community early last year. That happened to pick Gaff. It was almost like they're trying to go that more direct passage to goal and kind of avoid using him on the outlet as much as they have in the past. And I think it, it picked up as the year went on because Gaff's just too good to ignore him on the outside. And and like you sort of mentioned at the start of last year, coaches adjust to the new rules and figure out ways to sort of get around it. I, I don't know, man. Like, you make a really good point. I'll just be sceptical picking. I'm very scared on all the Eagles. I As an Eagles man, I'm very sceptical that we're going to be any good this year, to be honest with you. And for that reason, what you said about the ladder position as well, that probably scares me even more off Gaff. Yeah, it's thrown me. I think there's a lot of mystery surrounding it. Um, going on those disposals that you mentioned, Dossie, um, throughout his sort of period of his best scoring, which I think from memory was uh, 2017 to 2019, so three seasons of football, um, the Eagles actually averaged out to be the 15th um, worst disposal side as well. So, uh, yeah. they've never been a high disposal team. Uh, but obviously, in that time, Andrew Gaff was able to find plenty of the pills. So, I just wonder about if there's a game style change that we haven't quite picked up on enough uh, to realise. But he's someone who I will still be keeping an eye on. Potentially, he's an upgrade target later on uh, if he shows something because uh, we all know what he can do. Yeah. I just think after last year, I'm almost avoiding majority of wings apart from the absolute best of the best. Like, we just didn't see too many score well last year and you know Gaff's been an anomaly in that fact but he wasn't last year so yeah it's a it's a good interesting one though because of his history being really good um my next player Braden Fiorini you know it you love it you knew it was coming I had to talk about him um coming off that last amazing year 105 average he only had 73 percent time on ground and obviously only playing uh, about nine games so he he played one his first game he only got 70 in 66% TOG. Then it was ton after ton after ton after ton until his final game where he dropped down below 70, uh, at 70, sorry. So, 105 average for the season, only 24 years of age. Hugh Greenwood's out the door, which is why he kind of got the go in the first place. Already heard some news from Stewie G that, that you know, they're talking about the midfield mix this preseason. He mentioned the likes of Miller you know, Anderson route. And obviously, he did mention Fiorini through that name in there, which gave me a sense of relief. I'm going to throw it out there. Unfortunately, even though I'm his hugest fan, I'm so... I wouldn't pick him to start with. I'm going to say it. I wouldn't be picking him to start with. I just want to mention his name. Everyone knows I'm a Braden Fiorini truther. I'll be having him in every single draft league. In classic, the risk is just there. And I'm following Statesman's rules. He could be a guy that I have to trade out. 
and the risk is there, which is going to, you know, make me not want to start with him. But boy, he could be such a great upside pick if he gets the role. It's just the fact that I just don't trust Stewie Jew. I trust Fiorini. I don't trust Stewie Jew. And that's I think I'm you sitting. summed up Stewie Jew's thoughts there as well. Just not sure whether or not he's going to start him in the side round one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he'll be there and I think he's going to be, like I said, great value in draft. Um keepers, all that sort of stuff. I still think he's going to get the role, but in classic, the risk is there. He's got upside of- Look look at his- If he got the time on ground and the CBAs, he'd be a Tom Mitchell type talent out there. That's that's The facts. problem is his disposal though too, Dossie. I mean, a bloke can get the ball 30 times, but if he burns it, you know, nine times out of 10- um, he went, He's one- gone at over 72% in the last two seasons. Mm, okay. He's, he's Sorry to interrupt, but that's a lot of time talking about a draft player on a classic show. So I'll move on yep. to the next player, Matt Rao. Uh, so I'm currently debating on whether I'm taking on Matt Rao because he is going to be highly owned. So just have a listen why, boys. Um, he's only actually played 17 games of footy over two seasons. He's been injured three times. His average was 70.8 in the first season. That's before the adjustment, of course. So it was a good start for his four games. And, of course, as we know, he was injured early in his fifth game. So after that blinding start, everyone just had the expectation that this guy is automatically 110 sort of type of guy. Well, last year, interrupted a game with injury, but got to play 12 games. But he averaged 55. He was injured again and he was very slow on his return. Although we all hope he's a bargain, four games is a very small sample size. It's tough, isn't it? It, it, it's a very tough pick, but the price that what he's priced. At, I'm going to just get your straight away your thoughts here, Louis, because I'm I'm in a similar boat to Stato. But are you in the same camp as well? Um, no, I'm quite bullish on Matt Rao. Uh, they, he came back late last season, didn't look his usual self. But this is a what a 20 year old bloke who didn't have a full preseason, um, didn't get to get into the thick of things until late in the year. Uh, just finding his way. Uh, I just think he's. Far too good of a footballer, uh, especially in his junior days and what we saw in, what, four rounds of his debut year to to not be relevant. The way I look at it is um, at his ownership, which I'm not sure what it is, Dossie, but I'm sure it's nudging on on 50% or something. Um, All of a sudden, I I think to myself, okay, well, this is a guy who I think is going to outperform 55, right? Oh, yeah. So, you, you're winning on that front, but then again, he could also go 100 plus, in which case you're losing out on 50% of the competition because um, you were worried this guy isn't all that he was hyped up to be early. He probably won't be, but I still see him going 80 plus, 85 plus, and when that's 30 points upside, I'm just not going to overthink that one at all, and he's he was one of the first selected in my side. All right, lock and load, throw away the key, 44% owned Louis. And yeah, that's a good point on ownership anyway, to not go against the crowd sometimes. Um, your next player, Lou Dog, your last one here for us. Yeah, look, my last one is Sammy Walsh. He's someone I'm quite bullish on. Um, look, his career speaks for itself. Uh, going into his fourth year now, he's already averaged 92 and adjusted 97 and 2021, a huge 109. So we're looking at sort of the climb of a Clayton Oliver. I think he also averaged the 109 in his third season. Uh, look, still only 21 years old. So 
I'm banking that there's going to be more fantasy trajectory. Uh, just watching him as well. He just, he's such a superb footballer. He looks like he's built for fantasy. Um, we've seen what he's capable of and I'm just backing him in to, to go from there, basically. The only real, um, concern I've got is that I think, uh, the scale is going to tip a little bit in that Sam Walsh starts to cop the tag more often than not. Um, Paddy Cripps has shown that he's not the same player he was. I'm not sure he's the same game-breaking player, um, not just from form, but from a game style change at Carlton too. There's a lot of different players in that side that weren't there in 2018 or whenever Patrick Cripps went at that 110 fantasy average. So um, regarding that tag with Walsh, he was tagged to a 55 by Matt DeBoer in round 14, uh, round 19 tagged to a 72, and then he managed to break it versus the Saints for a 108 in round 20. I'm not sure how tight that one was, but uh, just going off of those numbers, he's certainly got the potential to burn you when he comes in priced at 109, but at the same time, he's got the potential to to pump those numbers up again and go 115 plus. And if we go um, by the last two years, the premiership contenders really haven't tagged. I mean, we're looking at the Bulldogs, we're looking at Melbourne. Um, they've refused to run a tagger and they've probably been the, the two best teams in the comp. So being a copycat league, uh, perhaps that happens, but it's just something to flag. Apart from that, uh, Sam Walsh is a gun. Love it. And I've got another one that is just a gun and don't need to talk about it too much as well. But Lockie Neal is my final pick. So I've gone, I've gone pretty stale, uh, staple, uh, picks for my, my ones, which is unusual for Dossie, but, uh, don't worry about that. We've got a couple of pods to come. Um, but he hasn't gone under a hundred until last year for six straight seasons over a ton. And the only reason he did was injury affected game. So for me, I think that's immediately, you know, six points upside. His price at his 94 average of last year. You've at least got around six points of upside to start with in your side um just easy money from the get-go plus you know looking fresh full pre-season back in the midfield apparently Zorko might be moving out of there there's there's word he's going to be playing a little more little bit more half back that's great news for Lockie Neal to just keep his center bounce numbers up um you know he's just a gun of the competition you don't need to say too much more about it I know Stato's been a big fan for a long time of Lockie Neal and is he straight away in your starting side as well Stato? No, another one of these round 14 premium midfielders. There's way too many of them. So he's been in there uh, a few times. I've started to fiddle around way too much. Yeah, so um, no for me at this stage, but a very close eye. Yeah, that's fair. I just think, yeah, way too sort of underpriced from his previous performances. And who knows, he might even get back to that uh, Brownlow ridiculous form no. he did in the COVID season. All right, we're going to get to three from the listeners here. And uh, here we go. It's uh, the first one is Jai Caldwell. So, he's around the same price as your Matt Rowell um, coming in at in that 400k bracket, I'll just get exactly the number right now. So, 488k. So, he's a little bit more expensive than Matt Rao coming into his second year at the Bombers. Obviously, a lot of promise in that first year, but only managed the two games. Um, did come back for their finals appearance. But, I mean, I had some thoughts on Caldwell. I think he's a great option in, in draft keeper leagues in, in particular. Going to be sort of that long-term fit for the Bombers. I think he will get um, centre bounce attendances this year and even play that high half forward role that gets in the contest regardless. 
But who wants to talk about Jai Caldwell? I've sort of had my opinion on the Keeper League podcast, if you want to hear there, but maybe one of you guys for Classic. I don't think he's an option in Classic, but Stato? I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but 130 grand cheaper, I'll be all over him. He's just way too awkward priced and not going to be in the top 10, top 15 criteria. Just not there. Yeah. Uh, our next player, it's it's a tough one. It's a, it's a nice option. You might be bold enough to go there. Um, as probably a point of difference going against Matt Rowell, if you're really strong, that Matt Rowell's not going to be there. Um, Jai Simpkin, another Jai, is our next player to talk about. And uh, coming in from North Melbourne, he's going to be pretty expensive, but also has that incredible upside that he showed late in the season. I'm just a bit scared of North Melbourne's midfield mix and and who they're going to really roll through there with all the young kids coming up. He obviously had a mint role last year. Louis, do you have any thoughts on Jai Simpkin as a premium option for us this year, given his price is in that premium bracket now of $801,000? Yeah, well, you nailed it there, Dossie. It seems like North Melbourne, half their team are inside midfielders. So, um, building off of that, I I do think that he's going to be one that the Roos do start to build around. I think he's like, 23, so he's still really young. Uh, he's shown plenty. He had a little bit of a mini breakout uh, the year previous, going at 95. Uh, sorry, the year previous and then going into 2021, um, had the average of 95. He showed a bit of ceiling in that. Um, look, I don't really doubt that he will improve on his average. My concern is just about how much. Um, this guy's coming in priced at 801k. Um, I want to see, you know, at least 10 points of upside there. And when I look at players priced around him, I think there's other guys that I'd be um, slightly more confident in, even uh, some guys who are a little bit cheaper that could go pretty close as well. So for me, um, it's just someone I'm not going to take the risk on, but um, look, I could look back a year from now and, and see Jai Coldwell, sorry, Jai Simpkin going at 110 quite comfortably. It just depends on that role. Mate, you're on, you're on fire, so you might as well take us away with Callum Mills as well. I know you've had some words on the coaches panel about, about Mills, but what do you think on him as a starting option as well? He's, he's priced pretty considerably, had an amazing year last year, even with a few injury-affected kind of time out there with his Achilles soreness. But um, how do you like Callum Mills as a starting option? Uh, as a starting option is the key word there, Doss. Uh, he comes in priced at 110, and I, I don't I don't think he's going to fall much below that. Uh, at the same time, I'm not sure he's going to go uh, too far above that. I think he's a guy who showed a very consistent ceiling in 2021. Uh, he had a couple of big, big games, but more often than not, hovered around that 110 to 115 mark. Uh we also know he's very versatile if he needs to swing back at any point, which he did at times in 2021. Some people thought he was a pure midfielder. There were certainly some some games, some periods of time where he did have to go back and plug a hole there. Um, unfortunately, though, as a starting option at his price tag, uh, you need to be confident that you can stick the C on Callum Mills. And if you arm and R or you think, oh, I'm not sure, well, you're actually paying the price tag of a guy that you need to be confident on sticking a C on. And um, for me, it's just not Callum Mills as a starting option. I think he's a superb upgrade target. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm probably in the same boat. It, it would be scary um, putting the C on him, even though, you know, I think his lowest score last year was an 84 or something ridiculous. He had such a high floor and high ceiling. So, he is one of those players that you could uh, could benefit from, but who knows. Um, just a note, everyone as well, for people putting in their requests um, for players, if we don't get to yours, because obviously we only do a few from the listeners each week, we're going to have an entire podcast dedicated to listener requests as well. So, don't worry. We will probably get to your player eventually. We'll try and smash through as many as we can on that episode as well. Quickly going to get through my Dossies pods. We don't have much time left, but um, these are the players that I'll be picking from. I've got a couple each week from every team. So, I've got two more teams to get through. It's Essendon and Fremantle today, and I've gotten a couple of pods from each. And I have been going under 10%. Um, so, just for, to mention Jai Caldwell as one of those pods, he's at 12% ownership. So, doesn't quite meet the pod, pod, pod criteria, but... um. I'm going to talk about a couple of players quickly. Sam Draper at 481K. Look, he is he is a pod option because he's going to be the number one ruck at Essendon. Undoubtedly, he's going to have that role. Do we think he has the ceiling? He went 121 in the elimination final for Essendon. He's got a ceiling, but that was against a very easy op- opponent in uh, the basically no ruck Western Bulldogs lineup. Don't love it as a starting option, but if you're looking for that point of difference in your ruck, you know, he has a ceiling. Uh, Darcy Parrish is the other one who's incredibly highly priced due to his amazing run last year. A lot of midfielders coming back into the mix, Shield, Caldwell, the like. Um, Just, it was his first year in that role. So, could have the tapering off been just due to fatigue as the season went along? That's what I want to know because his centre bounce has actually remained fairly high when they had a full team back. He was still the main man in there. Stato, either of these pods, firstly, just really quickly, either of these pods interest you? And Darcy Parrish, could he go higher this season? No and no. All right, that's fair. That's uh, that's stern from the Stato. That's uh, pretty, pretty clear cut. Um, on the Fremantle side of things, I really like this option and he's been in and out of my teams. Everyone went on him last year. Now he's a mid only. Everyone's not touching him. Geordie Clark, 592k. He'll have defensive DPP by round six. I think he's a chance to get some kick-ins. I think he's a genuine chance to be that 85-90 kind of defender that's going to be coming in. Cheaply priced at 592k. You can swing him back into defense, get a rookie in that's doing well by round six. Stater, you've I already got your you hand up. I think you think too much. You think too much. You said about four times. I think, I think... Way too expensive for a mid only that's not going to play in the mid and not going to be able to give you the scores you need. If you select anyone with the expectation they're going to get a DPP at round six, you are kidding yourself. If they get it after six rounds, you pick them up heading into round seven. All right, you're going to be apologising soon enough for uh, for the Geordie Clark. I'm surprised you didn't put Young in there. He's only at 6% there, Dossie. Is he that? Put, oh, okay. Yeah, I'd be putting my chips be. in that one over over um, Jordan Clark. Yeah, nah, I'm, I'm all about Clark. Sorry, sorry, Hayden Young, but it is a good pick. Uh, I've seen it out there too many times. I thought he must have been high owned. The other one I'm going with though, Darcy Tucker, honour the tuck. We said it last year, honour the tuck. He only played as a defender last year though, hence the defender eligibility from round one. 514,000, that's a lot cheaper than uh, Geordie Clark there. Defender eligible, going to be playing in the midfield, according to his own words. When he was talking so, about a, uh, a draftee, he's like how the you know Erasmus 
going in the midfield. He's like, yeah, look, obviously as a midfielder myself, he can tell. He's like, I can tell these guys are good as a midfielder. Um, so that's what Darcy Tucker said himself. He's going back into the guts. Um, I really like him as an option down back. 514k. I think you guys are on board as well because Louis, you sort of revealed to me he might have snuck into your squad this week. Yeah, he snuck in um, in a moment of weakness. I, I read that <laughs> preseason article and I, I do like Darcy Tucker as a player. I remember a six-game stretch to start um, the fantasy season a couple of years ago where he was he was really going like 90-plus each week. He might have been forward eligible at the time as well. Um, based off of just remembering that uh, pretty much purely and simply, uh, if I see something in the preseason, as in it looks like he's very much a part of that um, Fremantle midfield group, then he's someone that I'll certainly be interested in because I think that that sort of um, position on field, you're talking your D3, your D4, uh, is quite difficult to fill. And there's a few guys priced around that that have a lot of question marks and uh, probably four or five. And I think if you nail the right one, you'll be laughing and I'm hoping that uh, maybe Darcy Tucker can be it. Love He's it, actually um, my D5 at the moment. So, finding deep value and buying value, yeah. But that position, it may not be him that loses it, but maybe one of those defender positions get lost if I can find the right second premium ruck because I can't at the moment. All right, well, thanks for joining us, everyone, on another episode of the Pod Pod. Um, glad to be with you yet again. Uh, just remember as well, Silver or Gold members gives you weekly access to our in-season Pod Pod, but also a stack of premium resources on the Keeper League website, including advanced centre bounce attendance numbers, State League fantasy scores, draft D analysis guides, kick-ins, projections, and more. Become a Silver or Gold member and uh, get all that, plus the Pod Pod weekly in-season episodes. Looking forward to seeing you next week, lads, as we talk some rucks and some uh, stats that we like to use as well. That's what we're going to be doing next week. We'll see you then.